This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 264. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman. Hi, Riley. Joined by co-host Jacob Paulson. Yeah, it's me. Yep. That's that's the voice, the man. Edit, uh, not editor. <laughs> Something in chief. The, the you're, you're the chief, chief dude. Commander-in-chief. ConcealedCarry.com. Sure. There we go. I, that Jeez. sounds cool. Yeah. I'll put that in my you new should, email signature line. You should take it. Totally. So, hey, folks, uh, sorry for this uh, delayed episode this week. Uh, it's been quite a week, hasn't it, Jacob? Yeah, my family... Uh, it's funny, because usually when my family doesn't see me for a week, it's because I'm out of town. Yep. We've actually been in town all week. In town-ish. Ish. <laughs> We're in state. Yeah. So we've been uh, this week all over the place. Uh, we started out... Tuesday filming for three days, three long days. One of those days was like 16, probably 16 hours long. Of It's a long day. Yeah. Filming a home defense course. Then we had a day, sort of a day break. And then uh, right now we're literally standing on the range, Lead Valley Range, which is where we teach some of our live, for, live fire courses after teaching a Guardian Essentials pistol class today. Yeah, great class, good students. Uh, yeah, it was a good class. We had a great time. Weather was amazing, uh, just in time before the uh, winter blizzard comes this evening. So, hey, uh, today, or throughout this class, Jacob and I were shooting Fioki ammunition provided by AmmoSupplyWarehouse.com and wanted to mention that they are one of the sponsors of today's episode. Yeah, buy your ammo from AmmoSupplyWarehouse.com because they're awesome and it's affordable and they're good people and it's good ammo. Yeah. And... If you're a Guardian Nation member, you save 5%. We still have yet to have any failures with their ammo as far as like uh, squib load or, you know, a failure to fire, anything like that. No, no ammo failures. Right, exactly. So we've no. had a couple of guns that have maybe not been the greatest, you know, guns. but Sure. And actually, today's class was interesting. We had quite a few malfunctions today in today's class. Well, really, there were two guns, I'd say, that had the all the... Well... Yeah. As far as gun malfunctions. There, there was a couple from, uh, it was not a Beretta 92, it was a Taurus PT 92. Um, you know, not on par with the quality level of a true Beretta 92, but, uh, you know, that's what you get. And then um, we had a couple of stove pipes out of a Glock, actually it was a Polymer 80 uh, Glock 19 size frame, you know, custom built gun that a student brought and was shooting. It's a pretty cool gun, but sure. it, it did have a couple of malfunctions. Now, he was also shooting hand loads, so I could have played into it a little bit, sure, too. True, true. Fair, fair. Yeah. Anyway, AmmoSupplyWarehouse.com. Awesome. Good ammo. Yep. Great yeah. stuff. Guardian Nation members saved t- they save 5%. almost said 10%. <laughs> Everybody got really excited all of a sudden. Sorry, 5%. <laughs> Today's other episode sponsor is Wilderness Tactical. Spill yeah. the beans, Jacob. Wilderness Tactical. I'm a fan. They're based in Arizona. We've friends with that company we use uh several of their products you and i both have one of their products on right now and so go check them out at the wilderness i think it's the wilderness.com is the website yeah i think that's right sounds, yeah. sounds if you google right. wilderness tactical you'll find them great company family-owned business forever and ever and uh, good peeps i'm wearing their ankle ifac right now 
yeah, as yeah. they speak. Yeah, and we're probably going to start stocking and selling those at some point. Uh, I'm wearing one of their belts, their instructor belt, which is kind of their original core belt product. Totally. Good stuff. So we appreciate your you listeners' support of our sponsors, AmbleSupplyWarehouse.com and TheWilderness.com or Wilderness Tactical. Check them out. Give a little shout out. And uh, for those of our Guardian Nation members that are listening to, the, to today's episode, we appreciate you. Thanks so much for everything you do to uh, support us and the nation. So let's talk about what today's episode is about. Yeah. So in very unusual fashion, we're going to play back an interview that Riley was not a part of. <laughs> yeah. So let's see. We filmed for three days. In that three days, we did like what? Like 30, I'm guessing 32... 34 hours of work probably and yeah not including travel and other things and then we got uh, we got done and I got sick while we were up there filming I'm still fighting this cold right now as, we, as I'm recording this Friday morning comes around I was like I am not waking up at 7am or 6.30am or I'm not getting up before my kids didn't have school either Jacob so I set my alarm for eight. <laughs> I'm like, I'm gonna get up at eight. I've worked my tail off. Uh, eight, eight sounds good. So I wake up, but I didn't look at my phone right away. So I'm like trying to deal with some kid issues, breakfast, you know, the works. And then I look at my phone, and there's a message from Jacob. Hey, we have this interview with Jeff Houston. Here's the link, so you can pop in. And I was like, oh snap! And you had said that like at seven o'clock, probably. It was on your calendar in my defense. That's true, but dude, I was not right. I was my, looking at my calendar. So Jeff Houston, oh, what a stud! Riley really missed out. You guys are in for a treat today. Uh, Jeff Houston, uh, Green Beret, veteran Green Beret, been out uh, for about about a decade, and he came back. He's from Colorado originally, though now he lives in Dallas, and he's been a fire instructor basically since he got out. Today he runs TAC Seven, a website TAC7USA.com. And they do a ton of uh, civilian stuff, but they also do a lot of organizational and corporate uh, active shooter training all around yep. the country. And uh, probably he's better known today for his involvement with the NRA Carry Guard program. He's the chief operations dude. <laughs> I knew you were going to say dude. Yeah, I, well, I couldn't I think of it. I'm sure there's an official title. I could have slapped a dollar bill on this table and placed that bet. Mm, yeah, Not that I'm so a betting man. But. He's that dude. And... Uh, <laughs> This is a really cool episode. We talk a little bit about veterans and what it's like getting out of the service. He has some great tips, both for veterans who are who are getting out, who are retiring, but he also has some tips for support staff of veterans, family members and stuff like that. And then we talk about a couple of uh, really core fundamental shooting things, uh, shooting skills. I think you'd be surprised what he says when I ask him, was the number one greatest deficiency of most shooters? And then we talk about scenario-based training. We talk a little bit about the NRA Carry Guard Scenarios course. And some of the major insights that consistently always manifest themselves when we do force on force and scenario-based training. Yeah. No, so uh, I, I was really sad, actually, and, and uh, actually kind of upset with myself for forgetting that we had that interview. Um, although, I don't know if you would have wanted to have me on, dude, because we would have been on camera. And I'm telling you, I looked rough yesterday morning. <laughs> Fighting this cold, nose running off my face, couldn't hardly even speak. Uh, so... What? What are you pointing at? I think that's a coyote. 
coyote and we saw some deer so we, we told you we're standing here at the range we, it's getting dark and we're like crap we gotta record this intro for this podcast and jacob's getting he's like a squirrel he's like coyote hey look at that yeah i'm pretty sure that was a so um no but i listened to the interview you did with jeff and i thought you did a really great job and uh i, I enjoyed i enjoyed what you guys discussed uh talking about our vets supporting and loving our vets uh talking about training talking about civilian training talking about uh boy there's a lot uh, it's been a day now since I listened to it. It was, it was good stuff, man. You did a good job. Yeah, yeah. Let's let the peeps hear it. Let's let's play it back. Here we go. Coming at you. Well, welcome everybody uh, who is participating with us. It's a bright and early morning, a little bit earlier than we normally would would record our podcast, but we have to uh, be available to uh, to our, our friend Jeff here, who is joining us today. I'm really excited to have have Jeff. Me and Jeff met briefly in Dallas, uh, but we seem to know a lot of the same people. And uh, in, in true like stalker style, I think I, I emailed like everybody I know who knows Jeff and I was like, well, everybody please introduce me to this guy so I can have him on our podcast. And uh, so here we are, very, very grateful to have Jeff on with us this morning and to jump into this. So Jeff, I'm going to do the thing that no one likes to do because you know, you're know you a professional, but I'm going to force you to toot your own horn a little bit and give us a bit of a short uh, bio, You know, your background, talk a little oh, bit man. about your military service and what you're doing now. Cool. Okay. Awesome. Glad to be here. This is awesome. Thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, my name is Jeff Houston. I, um, I've been shooting guns most of my life. I grew up in Colorado and uh, got into firearms a little bit, just uh, shooting guns up in the mountains, you know, with some family and friends, uh, but really didn't get to learn to shoot guns, you know, properly until I joined the army. I was in the army uh, and uh, went into special forces. So I was a Green Beret with 10 special forces group. And uh, did multiple deployments downrange, um, did a lot of good things in the Army, loved it, best years of my life, got the opportunity to go to some shooting schools and train with some you know, world champion shooters and uh, did, uh, did quite a bit of pistol work, you know, which is pertinent to what I do today. Uh, not a lot of people in the military, not everybody gets to do a lot of pistol work, but in special operations, we tend to get to do a lot more of it. And uh, which was great because, you know, I, I carried a pistol every day when I was overseas. And um, I got out of the military in 2009, so it's been a while since I've been out now. Um, but I jumped right into the firearms world and the private security world. Um, after I got out of the military, I finished up my degree in Colorado and uh, started doing training, uh, firearms training and security consulting. I uh, was training with uh, citizens and law enforcement and uh, some military guys and uh, just kept in it. And um, that has led me to what I do today. Now I'm in Dallas, Texas, and I own a private security company called Tax 7, Tax 7 USA. And uh, we do security consulting for individuals and corporate active shooter response training. And uh, most people know me uh, because of my involvement with the NRA Carry Guard program, which I'm blessed to be a part of, uh, started uh doing that a couple of years ago on the development team. And now I'm the director of operations and lead instructor. Yeah. Uh, great. Uh, th- thank you. Appreciate that, Jeff. I-, I got some interesting questions for you right off the bat. As, as you were talking, I was thinking about this. Um, you mentioned that a lot of the guys in the military, they don't get a lot of pistol work, um, which, you know, in that context, it makes sense, right? When you're, when your job is to uh, not be killed or kill or keep the peace or whatever, you know, whatever it might be on that day, uh, you're going to have the tools that are most efficient for that job. Uh, which is different from a civilian here, you know, who wants to be prepared but doesn't want to walk down the street with with a carbine. Uh, if you can talk a little bit about 
I would lo- I'd love to hear your thoughts about kind of that transition for a lot of these veterans. I, I'll end up with veterans in a class out on the range, and a lot of them will pick up that pistol like it's a foreign object. Uh, yeah. you know, and, and, and it's a tough transition for these guys uh, and gals, right? Because that's just not the tool they're most comfortable with. And, and, you know, arguably in their mind, it's not the, the best tool for the job. So you kind of talk through that and, and maybe even what, what advice you might give to some of those guys. Yeah, it's a great point. And, and it's, I'm glad we're talking about it because a lot of people, a lot of citizens, civilians just don't, don't understand it. And, uh, there's a lot of veterans that might, you know, feel uncomfortable because they're not, because of their lack of comfort with a handgun. So, um, you know, when, when someone's getting out, well, first of all, who gets pistol training in the military? There's, there's a ton of people that get pistol training, but at, when you look at the military as a whole, it's a very small percentage. So, uh, you know, all your special operations guys get a ton of pistol training, you know, your military police get pistol training. Uh, there's some of your medic guys get pistol training and your Intel guys. Um, but you know, and, and nowadays on your basic infantry level, there are some basic infantry guys that get pistol training, but there's a lot of just regular good solid you know bad dudes bad in a good way you know uh that don't get pistol training because they're just you know infantry marines or whatever or or whatever and um and that's because the pistol is not a a very effective you know machine for war uh tool for war when compared to the the m4 for example so um you know when, when guys are coming out they i love seeing this insurgents into the concealed carry and uh you know combative pistol market from veterans you know we love that we love to see guys embracing um you know firearms you know post military uh but it is hard so a lot of them you know and i've seen it too uh they'll show up to a range and you know they can they can they're safe right because they learn how to handle a firearm safely and the the firearm safety rules you know, go across Translate. any, yeah. any border of, of the type of firearm. So they're safe, but they may just not be totally proficient, um, in the use and the manipulation and the awareness of, of, of a handgun. So, you know, I love seeing guys get out, guys and women get out, um, and taking classes and, uh, and getting that training. Cause it is, it is different. It's a new thing for them. Yeah. And it requires almost a certain degree of uh, kind of humility or arguably vulnerability to just say, okay, yeah, I am, I am the veteran. Yes, I, I, that's me. But this is a platform that I'm, I'm still not super comfortable with. And so it's just nature of the beast, right? Yeah. And that humility is something that, I mean, military people are prideful people. You know, they don't want to do something and do it poorly. So yeah, no, you know, not, not us, not military, not gun people, <laughs> not, not type A male personalities. That, that yeah, can, never, no. never imagine that. So, you know, for all those who are going to listen to this, you know, if, if you're getting out, you know, don't be afraid to just say, Hey, cool. I didn't, I didn't do a lot of pistol work. You know, I handled, you know, belt fed machine guns and ARs and sniper rifles. Uh, but I didn't have a lot of, of, of pistol work and people will get it. it. It makes sense. You know, we're not fighting a war with handguns. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. A couple of comments uh, here for those who are participating on Facebook live. Trey says he was in the Marines, didn't get any pistol work. Uh, we have Jay here who he was an MP. So he said he trained with the M nine, uh, of course, in the army. Uh, Cause he, he was a, he was an MP. Uh, yep. Jeff, what other, you know, outside of the gun and the rifle, the handgun thing, what other thoughts do you have for our veterans that are coming home right now that are trying to transition to civilian life? You're, you're about a, almost a decade now uh, out oh, of your military man. career. It's a tough game. Uh, that, that transition, I mean, some people, you know, I, I'm not a veteran, so I, I can be sympathetic, but not empathetic. So you having been there before, you know, any, any words of wisdom for people who are going through that? 
There is a ton of support right now, uh, which is phenomenal and it's highly needed. So ask for help, ask, ask around, Hey, I'm a veteran. I'm getting out. What resources are available to me? You know, and you can start, you know, if you're still in and you're, and you're getting out, you know, you're approaching that time where you're getting out, you know, every branch of the military has their own programs that will help a vet transition and take, so take advantage of those. Uh, I did not fully take advantage of those. Uh, most of my teammates and, and, and friends did not take full advantage of those. So start there if you're still in, and if you've gotten out, you know, it's, it's not too late at all to get, to get assistance from, you know, possibly your old unit or, you know, there's school, school resources at your local, you know, community colleges that people that you can just go in and talk to that will help counsel you. If you're looking for education, if you're looking for job, you know, uh, looking to transition into a, into a specific industry or sector, there are resources out there. Uh, there's a number of uh, nonprofit charitable organizations um, that will help transitioning veterans. And you can just Google transitioning veteran program and you'll, you'll see some of the major ones pop up. Uh, so I would just say, you know, do not be, again, going back to the humility thing, right? Like, don't be too proud to ask for assistance. Hey, where do I begin? And the other piece of advice that I would give is don't sell yourself short. I've seen a lot of very capable veterans uh, that that can really accomplish anything. And these are guys who have, you know, been, been overseas, you know, fighting a war for, a, you know, sometimes a couple of decades, right? Or some, maybe it was just three or four years. doesn't matter. These, you know, you're over there saving lives, doing really good things and don't sell yourself short here just because you don't have a college education or don't have a lot of, you know, real world work experience, you know, on the civilian side, don't sell yourself short, um, hold yourself to that high standard and, and push and, and try to find something that you really like to do because that's important. You know, we need to find something that we love. We're coming out of uh, a service where most of us were very happy doing that and had a, and, and enjoyed it and the people we were around. So it's important that we transition to something that we love. We're around good, like-minded people. For those of us, uh, Jeff, who are not uh, veterans like myself, but we are part sometimes of a support staff, you know, of, of a, you know, a family member or a close friend who is, is, is leaving their military service. Um, what can people like me, you know, what is, what is, what is the, the role of the, the support team look like to help that veteran? Well, I guess there is, there is a line there, you know, we, we, we want to show support, you know, uh, to our veterans. Um, and there's a, there's a number of ways to do it, you know, and, and just saying, Hey, support your veterans really nowadays. It's like, okay, well, what does that mean? Like, what do you mean support my veterans? And that's kind of where you're going with is how do you do that? Um, for starters, like sometimes it's different for everybody. So there's no, you know, black and white answer, but it could mean just giving someone uh, a listening ear, right? Hey, talk to me. I'm going to listen to you um, and, and communicate back. So just open lines of communication and support there. Um, it could mean taking these veterans out to doing fun recreational things. So if you know a veteran that's transitioning, please, you know, pick up the phone and call them and say, hey, uh, we're going out to we're going to go camping or we're going to go to the range or we're going to go golfing or horseback riding, whatever it is, pick up the phone and call these veterans and invite them to come with you because a lot of them just don't have exposure to a lot of the regular normal activities that we're all maybe used to, you know, um, and shooting is a natural one that, you know, a lot of veterans like to shoot guns. So, but they've never really gone and done recreational shooting. So like take them shooting, uh, but don't short the other stuff. Like there's guys who may want to get into hunting or golf 
uh, or whatever it is, you know, and like hunting is a good example. You know, when I, I never had done any hunting like until post military, uh, which blows a lot of people away, but there's, there's a ton of guys like, like me that had just never, you know, hunted, you know, we're, uh, you know, veterans are over there, you know, we're hunting terrorists, uh, but we're, we've never done, you know, hunting activities. And that tends to be something that a lot of veterans really enjoy. And there's a lot of programs that do that. So for people like, you know, like you and, and like me now, just being a, you know, a civilian that's wanting to support people, just include them, you know, be inclusive. Uh, that's kind of a good blanket uh, place to start, be communicative and, um, and, and just try to be there, you know, and, and if someone's struggling, then make a phone call, call a local veterans organization that is there to help um, transitioning veterans or help, you know, talk and counsel veterans. Yeah. Thank you. Um, a comment from Trey he says businesses could hire more veterans. That would help. Uh, that's a good point, Trey. We, we definitely need to get these guys um, back into, into performance of something. I, I will just a fun little comment. I have, I had two Marine employees. I still have. And I recently hired a, a Navy guy and they said, what, we're hiring a Navy guy. And I said, well, he's a Navy corpsman. And it changed everything. Oh no, he's yeah. We'd love to have him. You know, that was that was completely acceptable at that point. Um, yeah, yeah. That's well. First of all, definitely like love to see businesses hiring veterans. You know, and you know, okay, you hired a Navy guy. Fine, I guess we can forgive you for that. But uh, no, I, I've got uh, I hire veterans. I've got uh, some veterans that work for me full time and love it. Um, and look, I've seen a ton of businesses that hire veterans and they want to hire veterans and they're very happy with with what they're getting. Um, and there's places here, you know, I'm in Dallas, there's an organization called 22 kill and they've got programs where they'll take a veteran and actually put them through kind of a pipeline where they teach them. All right. Hey, here's what a resume is. Here's how we're going to write your resume. We're going to, we're going to help you write your resume. Uh, we're going to help conduct uh, job interview training so that you're the first time you're doing an interview is not out there, you know, trying to get a job. We're going to put you through some rehearsals and, you know, there's organizations that do this all over the country. So, you know, do some research, I guess, really like, you know, you're not, don't expect just to be handed a job. Like, yes, people want to hire veterans. Like absolutely people do. And granted that might be different in your state or your city um, in terms of the, the number of companies that are wanting to do that, but they're out there. So seek them out. Don't just expect to like get out and be hired because you're a veteran. Like you're still going to have to work for it. You know, you're still going to have to, you know, put your resume together you know, get a, maybe get a suit and tie, practice your interviewing skills and network. Um, that's something else really that, that, you know, I didn't do a very good job of right away is just, you know, networking. Um, you know, I got out, I was just a humble guy, went back to college to finish my degree and, uh, and really didn't try to expand my professional and personal network very much. Um, but that's something that guys, um, men and women coming out of the service can do better. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a complete transition on us, Jeff. Let's talk about the gun. So <laughs> let's let's talk about shooting. Uh, this will be this will be how we make this transition not seem so awkward. What what are some things you see uh, military veteran type fire instructors teaching civilians that you think you know now with about a decade behind you, you're like you know what we need this is different. This is something we teach we should teach different to civilians than military, whether it's a specific skill, tactic, you know whatever it might be. No, it's a good question. Um, for starters, it's getting better, but for starters, I, I was seeing a lot of tactical gear on the range, um, you know, drop leg holsters and chest rigs, plate carriers, 
and a lot of guys training with with a lot of cool gear on and um which that, i'm not saying that that's not needed and that's not necessary because it is uh but it's contextual so how much time if you're seeking out training are you going to go want to take a three-day course where you're in you're wearing a drop leg holster and you're and your plate carrier uh but you're preparing for concealed carry every day no like you want to go seek out a course where you're actually doing what you're going to why are you training like ask yourself what am i training for so most most people now are training for just their everyday life as a citizen and that means that you're not going to have your chest rig on you're not going to have your drop leg holster on uh so for starters like just um you know when you're seeking out training or for people who are training out there you know do i encourage you to do more just regular old concealed training you know in jeans and a t-shirt or whatever you're wearing every day um and there's plenty of guys out there that are doing that and i love that um so i think we're getting better at that um that would be one and then uh it's tough though because people want to do the 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 quote cool stuff right like i want to go do like room clearing is fun you know learning cqb and how to clear rooms is fun you know wearing the chest rig and doing transition drills between your m4 and your pistol is really fun so it's not like you don't have to do that, but if you're only going to go to the range two days a month, you know, um, try to focus on some stuff that's a little more applicable to your everyday lifestyle. Uh, so as far as mistakes, I think was your original question or, uh, that instructors are, are doing or military uh, instructors, um, you know, just make it less militaristic and, and more targeted towards uh, the, the citizenry. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to me too, you know, thinking about what you just said about like the allocation of dollars, uh, you know, someone will go spend, you know, 400 bucks on that plate carrier and and things. And it's like, well, you know, that $400 could buy you a lot of really good training. Uh, you can take yeah. some decent classes for 400 bucks. Uh, yeah. your, your skills could really be elevated, you know, far and your, your odds of survival would be much higher than now because you have a, a plate carrier. Uh, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And budget is a huge consideration for pretty much all of us. Right. And, uh, and, you know, the cost of the gun is, it just starts with the cost of the gun, you know, and then there's, okay, I, the right holster. And sometimes we've got to burn through two or three holsters, uh, before we find the right one. And, uh, you know, definitely set aside a good amount of uh, budget for training and, uh, and then do training on your own. You know, which, you know, we may talk more about that stuff later, but we always say frequency over duration. Yep. I'm sure you've heard that before. Yep. So let's, let's get into some more of the uh, pistol craft, Jeff. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you some kind of ugly, tough questions and you can dodge them if you need, but uh, what are like, what are some of the core, like fundamental pistol shooting skills that you see consistently that you, that you diagnose and you got to correct, like, you know, you know that if you get 10 people on the shooting line, nine of them are going to have this issue. And by addressing this one issue, we're going to make a huge difference for everyone. The, the trigger pull, I, I'm going to go right there to the trigger pull, right? Uh, a lot of people are just slamming through the trigger, right? They're not actually breaking it down into a process. And I have seen, you know, and I, I've trained thousands and thousands of people now. And uh, there's not many people who, aren't going to improve their, either their accuracy or their other shooting skills by improving their, by, by improving their trigger uh, squeeze. So, you know, break it down into a process, you know, and, and there's tons of different ways to say it, but basically take the slack out of the trigger, you know, so find that tension and then smoothly press 
through the trigger and it doesn't have to be fast at first. And I think that's where uh, a lot of people are maybe struggling because they're watching all these cool videos on Instagram or on YouTube and, you know, and they're, they're watching awesome dudes. I mean, I love most, most people now are putting out really good stuff and it's pertinent. I love it. And they're really good shooters and they're, they're, they're super fast. Um, but sometimes when you're not, you know, when you're not an expert shooter and you're getting into it, it's going to be way better for you just to take your time and, and start with that trigger squeeze, right? So, you know, find tension on the trigger, check your sights and then smoothly press the trigger and make it painfully slow. You know, that's really the one thing that I, that I really will, will tell people when they're struggling is make it a painfully slow process at first. And then, you know, you'll gradually speed up that trigger squeeze, but you have to understand how that trigger is working and you have to be able to press that trigger without pulling the sights off target. Right. So, you know, for starters, it's definitely that the trigger press. Yeah. Do you find, um, I mean, some, some of that is just needing to kind of understand the mechanics of the trigger being slow on the trigger. Uh, some of that probably, you know, is helping with anticipation issues too, I imagine. Yeah, anticipation goes right along with that. Uh, that's that's another thing that is pretty much a given. Um, I say pretty much most most new shooters uh, that are getting into it are going to anticipate. It's just it, it is it's there. It's gonna it's gonna be there. It's a psychological thing. Your body is trying to make up for that gun recoiling, you know, back and up. So it kind of wants to push the gun down and forward when it thinks it's going to go off. Uh, the if you slow down that trigger press process and don't rush it and make it painfully slow, you absolutely will help with counter that anticipation problem. Yeah. Cause it, and, cause the anticipation problem is a big deal. It's amazing to me too, because it, you know, we, sometimes I think we do a disservice to shooters by talking about anticipation as a, as a newbie problem. I mean, I still struggle with anticipation Yeah, and, and sometimes it comes out worse than other times, especially if I'm, tr- I'm pushing myself or I'm trying to add a new component to what I'm doing. You know, my cognitive stack gets too high and, Dang that anticipation. It comes right back. I'm like, ah, I thought I nipped yeah. that. And it's, and it's really, you, you hit it right on. I mean, it's really there. It's, pr- it's present really amongst all of us. You know, we just want to minimize it to the best of our abilities because even a really good shooter, even competitive shooters, you know, uh, you'll see them with a little bit of anticipation. They'll hit, they'll have a misfire and like that, the, you know, their muzzle just moved just a little bit, a little bit. They don't, we don't always realize that we're anticipating because we've kind of compensated for it on a very, you know, on a more of a micro level where it's really non-discernible. Whereas mm-hmm. like a beginner may be compensating for it on a, on a more, you know, much larger scale. Right. So uh, it's anticipation is, is a problem for just about everybody. And, you know, Hey, that the bullets can impact the target, you know, wherever it was pointed at the time that, that, uh, that, that firing pin dropped. Right. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. That's great, uh, and I love your idea about the drill. Kind of just this idea of, you know, as painfully slow as I think is the words you use. Painfully mm-hmm. slow, take up the slack, press, you know, smooth through the through the wall, and then reset. I, I love that idea. I just I can see that on the range and see how that works for people. Yep. Um, let's let's go a little bit uh, you know further as we kind of talk about this. So the carry guard program. Let's talk a little bit about the carry guard program. I, I, when carry guard came out, I think there was a lot of. Um, well, I'll be, I'll be frank. I think there was confusion. Uh, not, and I think it's, it was a confusion because we're, you know, a product was launched that we really had two separate products. We had a training uh, product and we had an insurance product. And there was probably some confusion about 
uh, at least for me, it was, wait, are these like together? Like if I join one, do I get the other? Like, do I have to do this to do that? And, you know, like it, it was a little bit, I think, confusing at first. Can, uh, so I'd love to hear you kind of just, just clarify that and then talk about kind of the, the process, what the, what the curriculum looks like from start kind of through, because, because it all, all curriculum is a process, right? It's a journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, great. It, there was confusion early on. It's obviously for a lot of people, uh, there's the carry guard insurance side and there's the carry guard training side. Uh, like you said, uh, they're both under the carry guard brand. You know, I'm not, um, I'm not an insurance salesman. I'm not involved, you know, with that insurance side. My focus is strictly on the training side. Uh, and the carry guard training program is, it's a new and exciting and much needed uh, program that's, that's been launched by NRA. Uh, and it's, it's new, it's relevant training. Um, and it's, it's exactly the kind of training that, that people are wanting right now, which is, uh, it's just modern, it's current, it's being taught by experts uh, in the field, not just military special operations guys, even though, you know, those are the guys who mostly, you know, we wrote, we, we kind of, uh, we wrote it, you know, for the most part. Um, but we wrote it with the input of people with decades of experience in law enforcement, decades of experience, you know, uh, doing, uh, training civilians and citizens. Um, and then of course our special operations background. So, uh, it's a great program and it's, it's constantly being, um, improved and added to, uh, right now we have a basic course, a basic carry guard course. It's a day and a half long, and that's a basic program. Um, even though it's basic, you do need to have a concealed handgun license or live in a constitutional carry state to go to that class. So it's not designed to be a, this is the first time you're shooting a gun. You know, you still, you have to have taken some, some training, gotten your concealed handgun license. This is really the, the, it's a first step for people. And Hey, what do I do after I took my concealed carry class? Because in a lot of States, the concealed carry class just doesn't do much uh, doesn't do much for people. Right. So the carry guard basic is typically taught in an indoor range it's a day and a half long. Then you've got carry guard intermediate and the intermediate was actually the, uh, really the first course that was out of the gates, um, in the carry guard program. It's a, it's a three day course. We shoot about a thousand rounds of ammunition. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a pretty intense course. I mean, it's, it's three long days of training. Um, it's, pretty much all on, on the range. You know, we, we obviously do a lot of teaching and, and, uh, and talking on the range, but it's all on the range and it includes scenario training, which is huge. And that, that sets it apart, you know, from other two or three day courses, we're mixing scenario training in, um, at the end of this, you know, mostly live fire training course. Uh, so you got your basic, got your intermediate, and we also have a standalone scenario training course. Mm. That's just, hey, one day, uh, we don't do any live fire training. You show up and we do scenario training using um, UTM, you know, blanks and, and marking rounds, which is yeah. incredible. And this, the scenario uh, class, the standalone, is that just one day? How many days does that run? That's one day. Yep. Yeah, that's one day. We wanted that to be yeah. um, a course that didn't have a great barrier to entry because that course is really pertinent to everybody. I mean, if you're out there, if even if you don't carry a gun concealed on a day-to-day basis, but you own a gun, you have it in your home or your vehicle, uh, or sometimes carry, this everyone should be taking this course because we actually put people in in scenarios where they have to make decisions, and that decision-making process 
is not an easy one for people to do, especially under stress if you've never been through it before. Um, and you know, hey, until you are put in a scenario uh, where you have somebody attacking you, uh, you 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 may think you know how you're going to respond, but it, I'd much rather have someone go through this course and you know get you know attacked and have to draw their gun and fire it then then have them experience those feelings and that adrenaline rush in a real world environment where there is life and death on the line yeah yeah um i, I have a i'm gonna come back to the scenario thing i just wanted to clarify are there are these prerequisites can a person go right to intermediate can a person go take the scenario class right out of the gate or do they need to kind of go through in order yeah great question uh no you don't need to go through an order and uh and and we don't want it that way because there's plenty of people who are ready to go into the intermediate course. You know, I don't want to make it harder for them to get to intermediate by mandating they go through the basic, um, to show up to, so they're, they're all standalone to show up to the intermediate. You do have to have, you know, you have to have gone through some sort of formal pistol training, you know, not basically it's, it would be something equivalent to the NRA basic pistol course, right? The traditional NRA basic pistol course. So, you know, if you've taken a four hour class at your local range uh, in basic pistol, cool, you're good. Um, and of course you also have to have your concealed handgun, uh, license as well. Um, throughout all the courses, you have to have your concealed handgun license. Um, and that just helps us that the people that are coming into the course and, uh, and know that they've at least been exposed to some level of training and safety and, uh, but they're all standalone. Yeah, that's important. And I, and I, I hope if you guys are listening to this and you're thinking about you know, taking these classes, you understand that that's, that's a huge value. That's, that's an opportunity. We do something similar with, with our pistol curriculum where people just have to have equivalent training to kind of progress, to, to jump into any, any given point. So I'd really like that. Uh, let's talk more about scenario because Jeff, my, my sense is that this is probably the thing that uh, most of our podcast listeners, most of our students, most of our customers don't ever get to do. Uh, I, I think that for one, you you have an issue where the average instructor either a may not be qualified or or have experience in teaching you know scenario or force on force based training. You also have insurance issues. It's hard for instructors sometimes to to get insurance to cover them to be able to teach this kind of training. Um, I, and I when we started teaching force on force, it was life changing for me to see what that would do to students. So. Let's talk more about this. You mentioned UTM rounds. For for those who are listening, can you d- kind of describe what that looks like so people can start to kind of picture in their head what what this what this looks like? Yeah, definitely. So we're talking about a, a non-lethal training tool. In this case, specifically UTM, Universal Training Munitions. Uh, there's other manufacturers out there of simulated training handguns. You know, uh, there's there's plenty of good ones out there. Um, you know, we just we use the UTM ones. They work great for us uh great people over there so what that does is it's there's two options one you can have a conversion kit where you're actually converting your personal firearm to be able to shoot either blanks or marking rounds uh and the other is a dedicated platform uh that's basically from the manufacturer uh designed to shoot the blanks for the marking rounds there's three different types of ammunition in this case with this specific manufacturer utm there's a silent blank a battlefield blank, they call it, which is a loud blank. And then there's a marking round. Uh, the silent blank is phenomenal for just practicing training in your own home. It's, it takes dry fire to the next step because your, your gun is actually cycling. Uh, so it makes it much easier to practice malfunctions and get you know a little bit of movement in the handgun. And this, the battlefield blanks uh, are just the next step up. Your gun cycles and you're also getting the audible bang. 
And, uh, and then the marking rounds are absolutely fantastic. Uh, they fire a, uh, basically a small little plastic, uh, uh, tip bullet, uh, projectile with, uh, with some wax in it. And it, it'll leave a mark, you know, on, on the target or the person that you're shooting. So you can get feedback on accuracy. Yeah. So man, it's so amazing when, when you guys do your course, uh, I imagine that, you know, you have, you have a, a group of you know, 10, 12 students, whatever it might be. And you're playing out scenarios where a handful of people are participating and then everybody else is watching. Um, talk a little bit about, you know, some of the, the most common trends you see, you know, when either when the debriefing for observers or participants, like what are some of those, like, you, you know, every time you teach that class, like these three ahas are going to happen for every student, I guarantee. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, the first one I'm going to point out is that way too many people wait too long to draw the gun and or shoot the gun. Um, and we put people in scenarios that don't always lead to, to rounds being fired, you know, sure. uh, cause sometimes we don't want you to pull the gun out or, you know, we don't, people try to game stuff, you know, when they're in these courses. So they're like, they're, they're itching to, to pull the gun out, but then we see that they're not pulling the gun out in time. Uh, so the biggest thing is, uh, the people wait too long. You know, we want people to be getting that gun out of concealment as soon as, as soon as you, you know, can right, justifiably. And, you know, basic where, where's your position? Where is the position of other people? You know, if you're in, if you're in the corner of a convenience store and, you know, an armed robber comes in, you know, don't, and you decide that you need to, to engage, right. Maybe they're firing or whatever, you know, if you have to go from the holster to firing that gun, then that's, that's a bad day. You know, we would much rather, uh, like to see people have the time. Okay. This guy's coming in the convenience store. He's robbing the place. You know, I'm going to get my gun out of the holster. I'm going to stay behind this piece of cover and I'm ready to engage if I need to. But right now he doesn't even know I'm there and no one's being hurt. I'm going to observe this. And if I need to end up firing, I'm, I've already got the gun out, you know? So for starters, get the gun out as soon as you can. So you're not having to go from, you know, zero to a hundred or holster to shots fired. Um, cause you know, save yourself that time, get the gun out earlier. And then we see people make the mistake of not, not engaging soon enough. Um, especially when we put people in situations where there's a knife or, you know, a baseball bat or the, like the lead pipe thing, you know, um, and where I'm going with that is the Tuller drill. And, you know, a lot of us maybe have heard it before. It's like the 21 foot rule or, or, you know, it, it's the Tuller drill. And really now it's a 30 foot rule. Um, and we, we do, we do this drill in our class. We show that if somebody has, for example, an edged weapon and they are inside of 30 feet, you know, they are likely going to be able to get to you, uh, and, and get that blade on you before you can react, draw your gun and get shots on target. Uh, so 30 feet is, you know, that's more distance than most people kind of think that they need to actually get that gun out and start engaging. So uh, so to put it short, people, uh, a lot of people don't get the gun out fast enough and shoot it fast enough, which is interesting because like I mentioned before, a lot of people try to game these scenarios. So you, on the other side of the spectrum, you do have people that like get the gun out and shoot too soon, but we see a lot more people that are taking too long to get that gun out and, and, and fire. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's always interesting to me anytime uh, I'm involved in these kinds of scenarios, whether as a student or as an instructor, uh, 
you know, some of these things you're talking about are so, so true. The thing I always notice that, that hits me the most, I'm curious if, if you have a comment on this, is uh, when you'll ask students, well, why did you do that? And the most common thing I'll hear is, I don't know. And, and, and you know, if you, if you let them think a while, you know, an hour or two later, they'll be like, well, actually, I, th- I think what I must have been thinking was, right? But, but a lot of that, what, well, what, what, I don't know. Uh, you know, there's so much is kind of like, well, I was just, I'm just reacting. Um, and the other thing, and I'd love to hear your comment on this, if you notice this too, is I, I, I get the sense that perception ability drops dramatically. Yep. Uh, well, did that person have a weapon? I, I don't know. I think there was something in their hand. What was it? I don't know. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's just amazing as the observer, you're like, how could you not have seen that? You know, but they don't see it. Is that something you pick up on too? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Both, both of those things are, 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 we see all the time and they're important to talk about. Um, so on that last point you made, yes, you know, and you, we've probably heard the phrase, you don't rise to your expectations. You know, you actually sink or lower to your actual true level of skill and ability. And, and that's very true. You will, you're going to perform at the level that you, that is ingrained in you. Um, because you will, at the end of the day, you, you're really reacting. You know, if something is really going down, you're not likely to have the time to actually, you know, go slowly go through your whole OODA loop process. I can't observe necessarily and process, you know, and then think about my decision and then act. A lot of times it's happening in a split second. And then when it's happening in a split second, you're, you are going to react. You know, you, you, there is still decision-making involved, but you're going to react and you're not thinking about it. And that's why people, when they're done with a scenario, and even in real life, will ask them, okay, you know, things like, okay, what did, they, what did the guy have in his hands? Or how many shots, how many times did you squeeze the trigger? You know, and inevitably they're like, oh, three, you know, but maybe it was six, you know, and, uh, or they, or they fired one time, you know, which we see that mistake. That's another huge mistake we see is people, they only fire one or two shots, uh, which we can revisit that here in a minute, but you know, you will react. Um, and so training, which emphasizes and highlights the need for training, you have to train. You can't just buy a gun, buy a holster and expect to be able to use it. Um, if you don't train, then when the time comes, you're, you're going to fumble your gun. You're not going to get to it in time. You know, most likely anyway, and, and you may not be accurate on target. Uh, you know, I saw this personally, uh, six months ago ish, uh, maybe five months ago here, in, here in my office, the very building I'm in right now, you know, uh, I look up at the security camera and there's something weird going on out in front of my building. Not really sure what it was. I go to the front door to just check it out. And there's two, you know, gangbangers getting into uh, my buddy's truck, who's a firearms manufacturer and may likely have guns, you know, in his truck. So, you know, I didn't, I reacted and I reacted um, in a way that, that, that showed my level of training, right? I didn't react in a way that I didn't rise to some superstar status. I reacted exactly to the level of which I trained. I had to do a one-handed draw from concealment while I was opening the, the, the door with my other hand. My holster came out uh, with my firearm because I was wearing gym shorts, but I know that that's going to happen when I'm wearing my gym shorts, or it's, not, it's likely. So I stripped the holster off. So all these things happened in a split second. And when I looked back at the surveillance video, I was like, oh, like that's cool. My training paid off. 
you know, uh, because if I hadn't have trained to draw from concealment one-handed or to strip the holster off my gun, if it comes out, you know, with my shorts, then I wouldn't have been able to perform at the level in which I performed that. Uh, so, you know, for me, it was reinforcement, but a lot of people don't get to go through a real life scenario like that, that reinforces their training. And luckily, you know, it ended up just fine. No shots fired. No one hurt. Uh, gangbanger detained and arrested. Good to go. But in our, in our, in our scenario training, that's the exact, exactly the kind of thing that we try to put, put through people. We're going to put you in a scenario where you are forced to make a quick decision and react hopefully quickly. And it's going to highlight where, where you need training. in. Yeah, that's huge guys. If you're listening to this, you know, you need to go check it out. You need to go find the scenario uh, course. I, I see a lot of more instructors getting carry guard certified as instructors. It's starting to really build. And I'll, I'll share this one more story. Jeff, you'll like this. I was talking to a friend of mine uh, the other day, Bobby Schneider. And uh, Bob, Bob's a good, a good dude. I'm, I'm a big fan. And he went and took uh, a course, a training counselor course uh, to become an instructor for carry guard. And uh, he didn't share all the details, which is perfectly fine. But he did say that of all the candidates there, um, and there weren't a lot of candidates. It was a relatively small group. Not everyone passed. Uh, you know, a couple of people failed. And I, when I heard that, my respect for the carry guard program went through the roof immediately. Because uh, I think anyone who holds you know, a certain standard to be true and says, hey, even though you've given us money, even though we've, we've put you through a selection process and we brought you here to teach you and train you to do something, which inevitably will build our own business. But you, if you can't hit the standard, which we've set, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I think that's huge. And so I just wanted to share that with you uh, because I, I was, I was very impressed by that. Uh, I thought that Thanks. was, that was huge. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I think guys, you got to go check these classes out. You can find it online nracarryguard.com. You just click on the training. You can search for classes. It's all there. Uh, Jeff, we're, we're running a little short on time here. We're going to finish up in a minute, but I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, tax seven. So tell us about tax seven and you know, who, who is a potential student or customer of tax seven? Yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, Tax7 or Tax7USA.com is our website. We're a, a security firm based out of Dallas, although we do work uh, all over the country. Um, and we've got partners that we operate with to uh, make our capabilities global. But we're, we're a security consulting firm. Uh, we mostly help people, uh, families and individuals. Um, we keep them safer, right? And that, that is a huge and very broad statement. So it's, it's a multi-layered, multi-tiered you know, process. And it may start in the home with uh, give, helping somebody with a home defense plan, you know, and then storing firearms, for example, in the, in the home safely and how to use them inside your home safely. So then it leads into some firearms training and, uh, or traveling, you know, what do you have, what are you keeping in your vehicle to keep you safer? Um, and how do you, how do you use that? So personal family side, we consult on all those levels to keep our clients safer. We do a little bit of protection work as well. And on the corporate side, you know, that's, a, a really a big, uh, probably the bigger growth side really right now, because we do active shooter response training and workplace violence training. And we all know that that's a problem in our society and, uh, and more and more people are wanting training in that regard. 
Yeah, awesome. So tax7usa.com. Uh, guys, you know, if you're listening, I wanted to give you a heads up. We are going to have Jeff back on October 23rd for our Guardian Nation live broadcast. Uh, that is available only for members of Guardian Nation. For those of you who are listening who are members, put, a lot, put that on your calendar. October 23rd, that'll be at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, which is when we always do those broadcasts each month. We're really thrilled uh, to have Jeff be our guest this month in October. For those of you who are not yet members of Guardian Nation, I would encourage you to join. Uh, it would be It's worth it not only to get access to these broadcasts uh, like this one coming up with Jeff, but also all the other training videos in our library, discounts in our store, the, the box of gear we ship out uh, four times a year, et cetera. So you can learn more about that at guardiannation.com. Uh, Jeff, uh, parting words for our podcast listeners here. Anything else that I should have asked that I didn't ask or anything else you want to share with people before, before we call today? Oh gosh, uh, just really get out, get out and train, you know, don't short yourself the training, you know, get up in the morning, um, you know, just don't, be realistic with it, right? Do, do a few holster draws. You know, if you tell yourself you're going to do 50 dry fire draws every day before you leave the house, you're probably not going to do that. Right. So, uh, I just really love seeing people get, you know, get motivated, um, do training, you know, frequency over duration, meaning it's better to get a few reps in every day than to wait till the end of the month and get, get a hundred reps in. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Great, great uh, words from, from Jeff Houston, our veteran uh, Green Beret and uh, NRA carry guard instructor and TAC-7. Um, I'm going to call it awesomeness, dude. So that we much appreciate your time, Jeff. Well, there you go. That is a great interview with Jeff Houston and Mr. Jacob Paulson. Yeah, awesome sauce. Yeah, I think uh, there should be more shows without, without me involved. Definitely, <laughs> for sure. Now, you guys heard it uh, on... Uh, in the interview, but we are going to have Jeff back for our Guardian Nation Live. So make sure you don't miss out on that. Uh, we're, if for those of you who are already members, you're all set to go. We will see you uh, that night, October, uh, already lost it, October 23rd at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. We will be live. All the Guardian Nation members, you can log in and ask him questions you have. He will respond to those questions. And for those of you who are not yet members of Guardian Nation, you should be, so you can talk to Jeff Houston. For sure, for sure, man. Well, I'm glad that uh, you did this interview and uh, that you didn't forget. <laughs> Although, if I remember your first message to me at 7.09 a.m. Friday morning, you're like, oh, crap, I forgot, dude. So, we made it happen. You brought this content to the peeps. Hopefully, it was of value to, th to somebody out there. So... Yeah, tune in for the uh, Guardian Nation live event with Mr. Houston here very soon. Uh, Jacob gave you those details. If you are a Guardian Nation member, that's what you need to, to do to take part of that Guardian Nation live event. Log into the members dashboard and uh, you, you'll find the link will be posted there for members where to, and you just go to the G, I think it's labeled, the button's labeled Guardian Live. Yeah, something like the that. the dashboard. Yep. So... Yeah, go, click on that button. You'll find the link, and that's how you can join the live broadcast Q&A session. One more time, I uh, appreciate our, the support of our sponsors, Wilderness Tactical, thewilderness.com, and also Ammo Supply Warehouse. Check them out at ammosupplywarehouse.com for great prices on great ammo. Well, it's time to wrap it up. Yeah. Say goodbye to the peeps. Hasta la vista. Let's uh, pack it up and get out of this range no and kidding. go home. I'm ready. So with that, a uh, reminder to train, what is it, train right, train crap. I don't train know why right, I've been struggling with that lately. Can fight. No. I don't fight hard, fight fast, fight true. What's the first part? Train, fight, train often, <laughs> train. <laughs> train right, train often, and train safe. There you go. I think that's it. 
Train right, train off, and a train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Well, we're going to go get some sleep now. You all take care. Have a great rest of your weekend. We'll catch you next week. See you later. that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.